Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Cognitore, and we have the pleasure of having racing legend, Mr. Bucket, Mr. Microwave, professional basketball player, Jalen Riley with us today. How's it going, Jalen? What's going on with you, man? Appreciate y'all for having me today, bro. We appreciate you. We've been wanting to get this going for a while. Q's been, been hounding me when we can finally get the schedule to match up. So thanks for I getting know, man. I know, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here, though, man. Let's get to it, for sure. Well, so let, let's start off right away. You're overseas. You're playing in Chalette Basket, uh, the Jeep Elite League in France, originally from Racine, like we said. You know, how crazy was it going from, you know, Wisconsin to France, especially during a pandemic? What did you have to go through? How crazy was it? Let the people know. Uh, Man, right, yeah. I mean, it was, for me, just France in general was a big change in, in years. Uh, that was my first time in the country. Um, so the whole experience for me was the first, you know, it was the first time in Paris, first time in South of France. Everything I did out there was the first for me. So it was, it was a dope experience in that right, you know what I mean? Beautiful country, culture is dope. Uh, and then obviously the pandemic, man, you know what I mean? That whole, well, that was a whole episode in itself, you know, being out there for that. Cause you know, France was right next door to Italy. Um, so that whole situation right there was, was something in itself. Uh, we kind of knew it was coming up, being right next door. We, we was pretty uh, proactive with it and pre preventive ahead of time. Uh, so it didn't take much to kind of shut down into a quarantine. But just, you know, the whole lead up to it, talking about not playing with fans, you know, cause, you know, we had been kind of selling out since like December uh, in Chalet. So it was like we were selling out games. It was hard to get tickets. So they were talking about not playing with fans. Like, man, we don't want to play without the fans. Like, we, fans been going crazy. So between that, all in the same week to the season getting canceled and suspended, it was crazy. What What was the process like coming back from all that? What, how'd they even tell you? How did it all go down? So uh, when we finished, when they canceled the season, they canceled it in, in like, you know, second week of March, right around like March 12th, uh, I'm pretty sure. And uh, if not before, I think it was right after the NBA canceled. Uh and that's what really, was, to my opinion, was shut down everything. It was like a domino effect if they canceled. And um, after after the season got suspended, you know, guys, some guys in different places left. They jetted out some clubs. They gave them the, kind of the green light and okay, they are just going to get taken care of. In our situation, we never really got that green light, so we kind of had to sit tight. They kind of were more on the side of hoping that the season returned. Um, so we couldn't – we could have, you know, they didn't hold us there against our – you know what I'm saying? We could have jetted out, but at that point we would have been uh, – facing potential breaches of the contract. You know what I mean? You know, it was, it was been a situation where we might not have seen the rest of our, our money that we, was, uh, uh, that we had left. You know what I'm saying? So we kind of had to sit tight. We had to wait for legislation to come down from the league and, and also the, the president, like, of the country, because he was, like, pretty much running the show. You know, what he kind of said dictated a lot. So we just had to sit tight, but we couldn't really leave. We could have left. We couldn't really leave because everything was so indefinite. Everything was so up in the air. Um, so we sat tight. I ended up sitting out there for about 30, 30 days at least. You know, I didn't leave until the end of April. And so it was about, you know, easily over a month of uh, quarantine vibes until I, until I got a chance to come back to the States. How scared were you, though, being over there? Were you like, damn, what if I get stuck here? That was pretty That was pretty much it. You know, I, other than that, we were still able to get in the gym. Like, you know what I'm saying? We were working out every day. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting two workouts in. Uh, I mean, you can't do nothing else. Everything else is shut down. The only thing that was open was, like, the bank grocery stores and, and like that was it, pharmacy, you know what I'm saying? So nothing else was open. They was completely shut down. Uh, but like I said, we can get the workout in. The only thing that was really scaring me was that, like, you know, not being able to come home because of the travel ban. 
But when they had let us know that citizens could return and I was seeing players going back in the midst of that, like at different moments of times, it kind of gave them comments like, okay, they still letting us go back home. So at that point, he was just waiting to hear what the league was going to say. Yeah, I can't even imagine, man. That'd be freaking me yeah. out. <laughs> it was a waiting game for sure. Well, let's – let's. oh, go ahead, Q. I could imagine because I've seen some of the Snapchats. Y'all was out there kicking it. <laughs> we was kicking it. Yeah, we was definitely kicking it, bro. <laughs> you couldn't do nothing else but kick it. We was kicking it. We was, we was kicking it for sure. But <laughs> that was it, bro. You couldn't go nowhere. You couldn't do nothing. They had curfew set up in place, you know what I mean, in the cities, our cities and, you know, most of the cities around. So you really couldn't do nothing, man. But, you know, be at the crib, kick it, spades, parties. There was a couple of birthdays during the quarantine, so we had to, you know, do a little quarantine birthdays, get them going. So it was crazy. <laughs> well, let's let's rewind it back to to youth. I heard I heard you were quite the soccer player, bro. I was, man. Guilty of charge, guilty as charge, I should say. Do you think that uh, helped with your rookie? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer though. See, my mom's she had me in it early, so I was I was playing soccer as as a story, you know, as a kid growing up and. Honestly, man, I attribute a lot of my craft in, in the basketball realm to playing soccer for so long growing up. And uh, I was pretty good, man. I had a knack. Well, I was natural. I, you know, I didn't have the craziest coaching and training, but I was just a natural. You know what I mean? I had good footwork. I was natural. And then I worked hard. You know, I worked hard at whatever I was doing. So I was practicing. I was practicing at home. Just how I would practice hoop. You know, I would practice in the backyard soccer, too, right? So uh, by the time I hit high school, man, I started getting kind of nice. And... Uh, Honestly, the re- the telltale of it was just I was in Wisconsin, bro. If I might have been somewhere warm where the weather was nicer, I might have kept playing. But man, it was too cold outside to playing soccer. I just I was I was sticking with the indoor sports. So when did you walk away from it? I walked away from it as a junior in high school. That's we just had Dare on. I don't know if you know Dare, but he was just uh, un- how do I say it's Ungawale, right? He plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's another Wisconsin kid. He was okay. soccer and then quit abruptly too. Okay. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I stopped, man. I stopped that. I transferred, uh I transferred high schools after my sophomore season in basketball. So when I transferred high school, I played one more season in soccer and I was done. That and makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So when I was when I was playing at the high school I was at before, I was having success and so I was playing, you know, varsity as a underclass. I played varsity as a freshman, sophomore, uh, both of those years. And then when I transferred it was for basketball. It was, a, it was a, a transfer based off basketball, you know, promise. So when I transferred, I was just kind of shifted gears. I played one more season. And after that, it was kind of just pretty much all soccer. I mean, all basketball hit. Look, let's talk about that hoop side of it all, too. Because your freshman year, you played at the same school as Karan Butler. Right, right, right. My freshman and sophomore year, I was at uh, Racine Park High School. Um, okay. And then, like I said, I transferred after my sophomore season. Uh, middle of school year. It over to the case, and uh, you know I got all type of flack from that too. They would do calling me traitor at the games and stuff like that when we was playing. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I transferred my sophomore year and went to case, man, and joined forces with my pretty much everybody that I played with growing up. See, like I was one of the only couple that went to Park. You know, what I mean, I was my district school, but everybody that I played AAU with, all my teammates that I had ever had really growing up playing ball, all was at case, racing case on the other side of the city. Uh, so I just transferred to go play ball with my boys, man. It was, it was this that was one of my first biggest decisions that I made of a series of big decisions that's helped me, you know what I mean, through my career. I asked that too. I was like, what made you make that transition from part? But you know what it was, Q, at the time, bro? 
you know, Becker was a coach still. And Becker had his guys, though. He had Trey. He had Isaiah. He had um, – They were deep at the guard position. Yeah, they had Dion. I think Dion was a senior that year when I was still there. Uh, they had Chris. They had PJ my freshman year. Like, they had they had their guys, bro, and they wasn't moving guys up. Like, it was it was a JV team full of dudes that could have, you know what I mean, went up. They was going to go up before I went up, and they wasn't going up. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, at that point, I'm like, well – I'm going to be waiting until I'm a senior to try to get a chance to play, like, you know what I mean? Versus I'd rather just go where I'm supposed to be at anyways. In my mind, I don't think I'm supposed to be at Case anyways. I might just go where I'm supposed to be at because they were all my age and they were playing varsity. It was all underclass. It wasn't an older class on that case, on those case teams. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I might as well go play with my guys and, and go against these dudes, you know what I mean? Versus sitting here and might not ever get a turn. So that was really what kind of motored it from the start. And I was just like, you know, because basketball my first love. And I'm like, yeah, I'm having success, you know, I'm playing soccer. But this basketball ain't looking promising over here. I'm like, man, just looking at it was what it was. I was killing it. I, you know, because I played freshman. I played freshman in JP and stuff. So I was killing that league. I'm like, bro, I know I can can play. You know what I mean? But ain't no way these, you know what I mean? They going to move me up against the guys that's already waiting to get moved up. So that's what kind of motored that decision for sure. So you guys don't have, like, that sit-out rule here in Minnesota if you were to transfer – if you don't actually move to a new, like, city, you have to sit out a full year. Yeah, see, with us, I think that rule was in place. You know what I mean? Now it's a long time ago. I can kind of say stuff like this. But I think that rule was in place. But when I changed uh, schools, I, um, it was address change. So I was uh, located at that point in the district of the high school that I changed schools to. You know what I mean? Okay. So with the address change being in place, I was able to just go to school at Case. You know what I mean? Versus going to school at Park. Which so was it, previous it, it wasn't just a, a a mailbox at an empty lot. This is a real house that you're you're switching to, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were paying you. It was a real address. Yeah. Was real. I ain't gonna say nothing else. You know what I mean? Keep keep keep. Let's let sleeping dogs lie. But <laughs> it was a real address at a real house, and that was you know what I mean. So that's how I transferred. That's how it was the case. So again, you were talking about how these guys were all your AAU guys. They were all your boys you grew up playing with. Q, I know you you experienced battles against these guys, right? And I've experienced battles with them, against them. We we were all tied in. Like we played AAU together. We had you know some good tournaments, some good games, just some, some good experiences. And you know we also had some battles against each other. You know we, we always pushed each other. Every time we even ran, you know it was competitive, open gym sessions. Like we we just push each other to be better. You know every phase. It's like you know obviously you're gonna talk your shit. You're gonna you know try to go at that person. But at the end of the day, it's all love. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. What, what was your favorite battles that you had there? I mean, who who man, was? I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna lie, man. My first memory of Q, Q Young, bro. I remember it still to this day, bro. We we it was my freshman year of high school, right? We had been blowing, we have been killing teams like the whole first couple games of the season. We've been killing people. We hadn't really run up to anybody that really was like it was freshman. You know, I was younger. You know. So we had went on a road. We had played Kenosha Bradford on the road at Bradford, right? And this black kid was this left hand black kid was one up in the layup line. He had pounds. We already seen him. We're like, yo, who's this, who's this left hand dude on the other side with the pounds, right? So we looking over there, and you know, boom, 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 warm ups, clock tip off, and this dude Q just gets going crazy, fan. He was just attacking the rim like we couldn't stop him. He was getting layup after layup. He was killing like I'm like, bro, I'm like, yo, what? Who is this kid, bro? And I'm thinking, you know, at the time, you know, I'm thinking, like, Kenosha, Bradford, like, it wasn't nobody at Kenosha. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was all white kids. <laughs> Not to say it like that, but, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, we wasn't really thinking that we was running into nobody else in that game. 
and Q just came out the glass killing. I remember, I remember my pops was like, man, who was that kid that was at Kenosha? For whatever reason, he came in that Kenosha game. Then he would, would pop in and out of games. He was at that Kenosha game. No, 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 no. He was at the park. He was at the game they killed in the park. But I had told him about the game when he was in Kenosha. And when he came to the game in the park, he was like, yeah, I remember, I see what you're talking about now. Like, because Q was killing, bro. And that was the first time I had ever met him. Like, for, you know, at the time, we was just first time seeing each other. So. That was my first experience with Q. And ever since then, bro, he's been around. He's been hooping. We play AU together, like you said. Uh, local runs, whole nine yards. And we always push each other, bro. It's always been a good competitive, you know what I mean, class every time I played against you. It's dating all the way back to then as young as young guys. Since since you're bringing up Q, the, the one thing that I noticed, I know you're listed at six foot. Are you a Q six foot or are you a legit six foot? You know what, Who's man? Six foot two? I think I, I think my stature, my frame, people try to take my inches away from me, bro. But low key, you know what I mean? Quiet as kept. I think I'm a, I'm a solid six and a half, closer to six one. My measurement in, in centimeters was, was was six foot and a half over last season. And I still think they try to take a half inch away from me, bro. But I mean, but in high school, I was about like five ten. <laughs> I was a, I was a key on six foot in high school. I was about like five ten. I caught a couple <laughs> inches as I got a pro as I got older. <laughs> Who got, got those nice shoes that adds a couple inches? You know, I, I play on my tippy toes, so they give you that extra little boost. So, you know, <laughs> I, I play bigger than five eleven. You know, I, I'm, you I'm do like, play bigger. You do. Yeah, bro, that you, five, they they be trying to they be trying to cap us off like we ain't big guards, bro. That six foot, you could be a big guard at six foot. You got to know what you're doing. They don't understand. Some people they don't, don't understand, understand, bro. You know, and, and then we were talking about the AAU. I want to get into that before we get into the college stuff and get into the whole story of everything. What was your AAU experience like? Do you, do you remember or do you think that was more crucial in your recruitment for colleges than you did, you know, your high school days? Or what, what do you think really helped catapult you to the next level? And I know when we get into it, your story is very different than a lot of people's. Right, right. So, man, honestly, man, my AAU story – is even unique and well as well in that right because we played AAU from like fourth or fifth grade on with the same guys season after season. Like we grew up together in AAU, most of the guys that I play AAU with. And uh, when we got to high school, you know, due to some, you know, other uh, off the court issues, our AAU team broke up. So when, right around the time when we actually got to high school, around that time when AAU was most important to play, we really weren't playing structure, like, you know what I mean? Like, like we weren't at the uh, Nike or Adidas circuit, when, you know what I mean? But we was at all the nationals, you know, all the younger nationals and stuff growing up. But once we got to high school, we kind of, AAU stuff kind of fell in shambles. So AAU for me and, and, both, and basically like the guys that I worked with playing AAU was rocky in that matter because bro, at one point our moms put together an AAU team for us to hoop, like literally, like no, 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 exaggeration they they started the AAU team they they funded it they found they fundraised and funded it they booked us in two or three major tournaments we had about seven eight players we had a young coach like you know what I mean we they threw that AAU team together so we could play AAU that was like my junior season one of the most important AAU seasons that you have we didn't really even have an AAU team we kind of you know what I mean our, our moms threw together a you know an AAU squad and we went to go hoop you know what I mean I remember we went to a tournament played in front of like Izzo I remember Izzo was there, uh, Tubby was there, um, Roy Williams was there. It was, a, it was a gang of coaches. We ended up playing 
one of the guys that they had on their on their, on their radar. They was recruiting them, and I had, I had a really good game. A couple of my guys had a really good, I had like thirty. Uh, Izzo was right there on court side, you know what I mean. And then uh, Alex Marzet, another guy from from our hometown, he was killing. But we had you know we had a, just a you know ragtag guy, nobody that's on the radars, nobody that's being scouted, nothing. We just went out there. That was just our moms giving us a chance to go hoop, you know what I mean. And that was in a nutshell my AAU, especially in high school. Uh, you know, so that was rocky, bro. Like I said, like, you know, with because of that, I didn't have no AAU outlets. Like, I had zero offers leaving high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Division one. And, you know, a, test, a lot of that, you know, is, is a testament to not really playing AAU, not playing AAU circuit. You know what I mean? Because that's really big in recruiting nowadays. Right around the time we was coming through in and out, it's just got huge with recruiting. Most people get recruited through AAU, you know, before they get high, recruited through high school anytime. So the, the two things I want to take away from and one, it's like incredible that your moms were able to put that together and even give you the opportunity, period. Absolutely. Like hats out to them. That's insane. But at the same time, you felt like the experience did you a disservice because you didn't get to capitalize in a moment that should have been huge for your career. Um, right. and, and I mean, long story short, it, it worked out for you. I mean, you put in the work. Every, every step, bro. Every step. Every step was a lesson for me, man. Each each step along the way was a lesson. Uh, even from that, just that experience to go down there, like you don't, I, you know, you don't take it. You don't take away the negatives. I take away the, the positive and just how much confidence I gained from that. You know, coming back from that junior into our senior season, we had one of the better season, you know, teams in the state. And a lot of that was was due to me being better as a player. You know, my junior to my senior year was night and day. Like I was a much better player when I came back my senior season than I was my junior season. Uh, and that's just early in my career, blossoming, you know, and becoming better in, in my craft. So a lot of that is just because of that, like just having a chance to go play. I was a star. You know what I mean? I played a lot of minutes. We played against a lot of good teams and just building that confidence, you know, more than anything that, that you know, that's that's a that's something that you could take from that versus, you know, maybe I did have, because, you know, with my AAT team I grew up with, I wasn't playing the most minutes on that roster. You know what I'm saying? Like I was the underdog. I wasn't the guy on those teams. You know what I mean? So, Maybe that team stays along the whole time. I just kind of fall to the wayside because I really never was given the opportunity to kind of step into the light. So, you know, it's just all, I feel like everything kind of played its part along the way. And like you said, taking away from that one, that's that's another huge amount to away from that, that AAU phase. The, the thing for me, you brought up the underdog story. So you're not recruited by any D1 programs. Were you recruited by D3, D2? Were those something you were con- convinced of? I know you went and played at a junior college and destroyed but, I mean, going into that process, what are you thinking? Because, like you said, things weren't popping the way you thought they were supposed to be popping. So walk right, us right. through that and the, the mental, the resiliency to keep going and, and to not give up. Like, that, dude, it's crazy. Yeah, so basically with that, man, our whole senior season, right, was, we had a really good senior season. But our whole senior season, it was really one player being recruited and nobody else really had a clue to what else was really going on around that. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, that have opinions and say different things about whatever, but we didn't really have much information about our recruitment until the season pretty much came to the finale, which when you look back at it, that ain't how it should work. You know what I mean? Like you should know all along, you should know who's recruiting, you know who's interested, you know what I mean? You should be able to be proactive and, and have conversations with whoever these coaches are reaching out to you in high school. You know how it is nowadays. But for us, that wasn't the case. I didn't even have a clue what offers or what opportunities I had on the table until after the season. And we were so locked into the season that wasn't in, like, we never been there before. We never did, been through that process before. We wasn't being highly recruited as it is. So we didn't really know what it was like. We didn't know, what we was, you know, there was no way for me to know that, you know, 
so-and-so Division II school was trying to reach out to me and wanted to offer me a full ride scholarship. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was no way for me to know that. And then without knowing that, there was no way for me to desire to know that because I, that's not a thing for me. I'm not, that, my head's not, my mind's not uh, thinking not that way. Not even yeah, aware. Right? Yeah, right? So, um, so for me, after, after the season ended, I finally figured out that I did have a little bit of interest. I had a couple Division II schools, a couple schools actually in Minnesota, uh, and I had a couple schools up north in Wisconsin that was that was interested. A couple was offering full rides, and I think one or two wanted like either partials or walk-ons, something something around that area. No Division One offers, and then uh, D three, it might have been some. I didn't really pay attention to it. I was only kind of considering D twos at the time, and even then, you know, I just kind of bet on myself in that matter, and I was just like, you know. I know I'm getting better. I've been getting better every year that I play basketball. At this point in time, we just had a really good – I was a really good player on a really good state high school team. I just felt like I had more to offer at that point. Any any kid could have been like, man, their parents want them to go to school. I'm just going to take this for a ride. Go to Division two. I know I'm going to have a you know, scholarship. I know I'm not going to pay for nothing, so I'm just going to take it. You know what I mean? Rock with it. But for me, I wasn't wired that way, man. So I just, I just really bet on myself. It just kind of was like, man, I had to get it. I got to – you know, I feel like I know I belong at that – highest peak, I just got to figure out how to, where to get there. So that's kind of what attributed me going junior college route. Uh, but yeah, coming out of school, like, you know, with everything I just said, we didn't really know what was going on. We didn't have that many offers and we had that many scholarships. So we just kind of had to do what we had, play the cards that we was dealt. Well, then you chose uh, Lake County, which is a division two junior college. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I went to, yeah. Lake County was Lake County was the first stop for me. Uh, I was right up the road, right you know, uh, right across the border in Illinois. Um, like you said, Division Two Junior College, and me and all the boys went there. One of my teammates from my high school team, Alex Mizet, and then another one of my uh, uh, teammates growing up playing AAU. One of my brothers is Chris Suter, and all three of us went there. We all played senior, you know, the same basketball, the same conference. We all went to that 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 junior college. Man, we we did our thing. Man, we had a good time. Uh, you know, all being in the same spot together, we knew each other, we were familiar with each other, and uh, we played well. And uh, it was an enjoyable season, but it was very hectic in the matter of like it just wasn't very structured, you know. What I mean, we weren't required to do too much, it wasn't that much demand for us. D2 junior college, so come with it, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was obvious that we needed to spread our wings and get away from there, but just getting a chance to play after school and then in that matter, you know, you look back at it, you're like, man, that was all right, bro, I appreciate that for what it was. Well, then you end up going – first of all, was this the first year they were trying to make you do point? Or were they trying to make you do point at each stop you went to before I get into the next place? I only played point guard primarily at Lake County. That was my first time really playing point guard. I played point guard at Lake County. And I also played off the ball too, but they, I played – I dominated the ball a lot in Lake County. I played a lot of one. And then uh, I started my second year in school. I saw Valley playing a lot of point guard. He ended up switching it probably about a third or quarter of the way into the season. He switched it and started playing me more at the two and off the ball. But initially, I played pretty much primarily point, like all point. Was it hard doing that? Because you're a scorer. I mean, dude, you are a scorer. Is yeah. it weird trying to be a distributor at the same time, like overthinking all that instead of just doing what you do best? For me, it is, honestly. But I can play the position. I can play the position well. I have played the position well. You know what I mean? But honestly, for me, it's, it gets difficult because, I, like you said, I aim to score. I naturally am inclined to just want to put the ball in the basket. You know what I mean? And when I get that feeling where I feel like I have to, you know, be more of a facilitator and, you know, things of that sort, it kind of takes away from that aggressive side of me that makes me who I am as a basketball player. You know what I mean? I, 
I get to kind of sleep through games a little bit versus being mm-hmm. kind of more in attack mode. And uh, that's probably the biggest battle with it. Otherwise, you know, I like to make plays for other guys, but it just comes out of me being aggressive, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I usually, most stops I ever had, I averaged about three to four assists. And, and, and I think that would be even in a lot more if I primarily just played point guard, but I usually in every stop end up getting switched off at some point. And then and the coach that's for me to score. The, the crazy thing, too, that I, I think about with, with the way you play, I think it would probably be a lot easier in college to find the situation, but now as a pro, and I don't want to get all the way into your pro career yet, but is it hard finding a coach that believes in a player like you who's shorter in stature, who is an off-ball guard, you know, to make sure that you're doing all that? Right, yeah. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the difficult dynamic in it, man. That just takes a coach just kind of watching film, kind of seeing – in my, and you know, with me specifically, what I bring to the table, what my strengths are, you know, versus my weaknesses, whatever, you know, what they might deem my weaknesses. And then it's like, it's just a matter of them living with the strengths mm-hmm. versus the weaknesses that you, that you might get throughout the course of a game. You know what I mean? And, and the coaches that I had that have really bought into me playing towards my strengths and me kind of, you know, living to my strengths, um, they just kind of let me be me, you know what I mean? Kind of let me be myself on the court. And it's, it's just been, you know, it's just worked out, you know what I mean? Because even when I don't play the one, you know, specific, like that point guard position, I handle the ball a lot, you know what I mean? I still am pretty uh, ball dominant in the, in the fact that I'm a playmaker, you know what I mean? I make plays, I play pick and roll, you know, a lot, and I make plays for other players out of me being aggressive. And I think that's when I'm at my best, when I'm downhill, I'm being aggressive, you know what I mean? But a lot of coaches, you know, you know, on most rosters that I play with, I'm one of the better shooters on the team. So most coaches are naturally inclined to put me in the shooting position, you know, in the roles where either I'm coming off pin downs, coming off screens, uh, playing on the weak side if we got another little, you know, another point guard that can handle the ball and make plays, just to keep the defense down. So, you know, things like that, that always kind of ends up putting me into those different shooter roles. And, uh, but either way, I feel like I handle the ball a lot, whatever, whatever team I'm on. Even last year with Cholet, you know, I played probably the most wing position I ever played in my career you know, more wing dominant than I've ever been. And I still kind of find my way into handling the ball a lot, especially in late clock situations. Uh, Hell yeah. That's, that's kinda the best how, time. That's the best time. Yeah. So you're at, you're at uh, Lake County. You, you dominate. You're averaging, what, 16 a game, 38% from three. What's happening then? You start getting recruited, obviously. Yeah. When, so when I was at Lake County, uh, you know, I guess we all, we all pretty played pretty well at Lake County. Uh, and after Lake County, like, we was getting a little bit a little bit of interest from different different areas. It was mainly just higher level junior college at the time. So we was getting interest from different areas. Uh, and for me, you know, we had went to this one camp. Uh, we were still kind of doing a couple camps at the time. We had went to one camp, and it was more of a local. It was a camp in Illinois. And uh, the coach I ended up having at the time, uh, Coach Damhoff, came to the camp. And that's where he first saw me. I was really, I played really well at the camp. I was, you know, really killing that camp. And he had saw me and kind of caught eyes on me. And he had kind of talked to me, put me to the side, talked to me after the camp. And he just kind of explained to me, you know, his situation, how he kind of coached, you know, and he just kind of explained his vision, what he envisioned for me if I was, you know, come, come play for him that next season. And he really sold me on it even, like, at the day. You know, he's an older dude, man. Oh, damn, I was probably at least, like, 50, 60 at the time. You know what I mean? That's a while back. So he was an older dude. You know, he just, he spoke with, like, conviction. You know what I mean? What, what mm-hmm. he said, you know, he felt like he, he ain't got no reason to lie to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? So he was standing. He's talking. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and then just when he was saying, it just made sense. And I was like, you know, I need to I obviously need to make a move. Uh, we was working with a guy at the time, Ken Hasey, and Ken Hasey was trying to make plays for us in different places. But Casey was kind of a little bit sporadic in what he would do, in my opinion, at the time. So, uh, you know, even though he always meant well. Uh, so I just kind of fell into that, and I just felt like that. You know, I've always been somebody with my gut each step of the way. And that, for me, at that point in time, that was my gut. Was, my gut was like, bro, go rock with this guy. You know, this dude that came, met you and took his time out to talk to you, you know what I mean? Ended up going on, like, a little visit, you know what I mean, after that. And uh, that, that was just, that just, well, I was like, bro, that's the move for me. You know what I mean? That's my platform, the next platform I need, you know what I mean? And I didn't know it at the time, but I felt it, you know what I mean? I felt like that was the right move to make, and so that's how I went. End up signing there, and that was uh, it was a D, it was also a junior college in Illinois, it's a Division One uh, junior college, so uh, different from Lake County, and that was the beginning of you know that was the start of it all. Moving there, that's when I got started. Well, it, it's bananas too. So you go to a Division One community college, and your game jumps, your points average. You know, you're going 19 instead of 16 before. Were you able to still do that? I'm gonna get mine, and because I'm going to the next level type mentality, or how did that all work? Or did it just fall in your lap? Yeah, man, it was, I mean, we had a good group. We had a good group of guys uh, when I was at Salt. And uh, we had been in the trenches, like, grinding. We had been putting in a lot of hours and working, you know, on our own. You know, with any basketball roster, bro, if you plan, y'all plan a lot of hours, y'all plan a lot of hours in, the cream, and not to say like that, but the cream usually rises. You always kind of can pick out who are the better players on, on each roster that you're playing, you know what I mean, or what guys do what the best. And it just was one of those situations where I just was, you know, I was growing as a player. Uh, Sock Valley is one of the first places that I went to where I actually had more of a structure in the fact where it kind of really helped me birth my, my work ethic. You know what I mean? I had a work ethic, work ethic a natural one, but I kind of had the tools to really, you know, hone into it and really craft it on with Sock Valley. That was the first time I, I was able to, like, really get shots up in abundance with rebounders, you know, and stab people that would help me get my, get my repetitions up. That was the first time I had a weight room, like, on call. You know, at Lake County, we barely ever lifted, you know what I mean? And when we did lift, it was, you know, a little bit of a hassle to kind of get in and out of it, you know what I mean? So that was the first time I had all that at my disposal. Like, I was able to hit the weights after and before practice if I wanted to, whenever I wanted to, you know what I mean? I was able to get shots up in between practices before or after. I was able to come back to the gym. We lived on the same – we lived on camp, you know what I mean? Like, our, where I stayed at was right next door to the arena. So it's like if Coach was, was going to open up the keys or if he was there, you know what I mean, we could go back, you know what I mean? So it was – unlimited in a sense access we even had a hoop outside of you know where, where we were standing in a little commons area that was an outdoor court but it was you know you could still go out there and shoot like it was unlimited access to basketball for me at that point in time and you had nothing else to do the place that i went to school i was super rural it wasn't that much going on it was a strip street full of like activity you know like wild wings and restaurants and different things like that other than that it was just a school bro. it was just us out there on the campus at school so i just really locked in that saw and you know, with the guys kind of, you know, with the coach making changes that he did, you know, and the guys kind of embracing it, I was just able to kind of be, you know, take off. We had another uh, a big, he was, he had a really good season too, but uh, we just kind of took off and, then, you know, they kind of fed us into that and it just took its own life. You blossomed. I mean, you ended up becoming an All-American. Yeah, man. First one that the school ever had too, bro. It was crazy. I think they ever had a, another All-American at that, at that place. So that was cool. I still, to this day, haven't even been back to see the banner, bro. <laughs> basketball is crazy, though. I've been, basketball took me all around the world, bro. I still haven't been back to see the banner that they put up for me at, at my old school. Still to this day. So you're finally getting D1 looks, though, after that? 
For sure, man. When that, when that All American, even man, even before the All American night had, before it had went, I still was kind of on the cusp of really not having much traction. But once they kind of you know gave me the All American night and that shit kind of got published, uh, the phone just started ringing. So at that point, man, the phone started ringing. I was getting calls each week of, you know, teams finally trying to really take interest. Because it was teams coming to scout me uh, when I was playing. I saw, about, like, UWM came to a couple games. Uh, I think Marquette was at, was at a game or two that was local. Uh, I know a couple games. I know people was coming to the playoff games. I had, like, 40 in, our, in a game that we lost in the playoffs. And I know for a fact UWM was there. I think NIU was there. It was a couple schools there in, in, in the arena in the, in the in the gym that night. Uh, so I, that's, I had, but even then before, after that couple of weeks passed and then kind of our American night came, that's when the phone started ringing from even those same schools that had seen me play. And that was kind of crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, but once, once the phone started ringing, I started taking visits and then uh, eventually ECSU called. And that's kind of how I ended up making my way down, down there for a visit and, and latching on down there. But before them, it was, I was, I was liable to stay home or in this area. Cause I was really, I really was talking to, uh, NIU, a couple D2s, you know, because they was really pushing hard. But uh, NIU, um, Ball State was, 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 was kept reaching out to my coach. Um, UWM, I was talking to them a lot. They ended up actually wanting me to walk on, though. Yeah, a crazy story with UWM. They were recruiting uh, Stevie at the time as well. McCord, remember uh, when, when Stevie transferred to, to, UW, to UM from, uh, from Indiana State? Hold on, I can't hear you. But uh, when Stevie transferred, um, when Stevie transferred Indiana State to, to UM, he basically took the spot that they was recruiting me for, along with maybe another guard that they was recruiting. So they ended up wanting me just to walk on because they had, they had brought Stevie in on scholarship and me and Stevie from the same hometown and somebody else. And uh, so at that point, man, they was talking like walking on and stuff. And I was like, man, y'all, y'all not being serious. And that's when I just I had to leave my I had to leave WR and say, yeah, staying home ain't gonna be an option. I knew I was I knew I was going probably as far as away as possible at that point. I knew I was getting away. What intrigued you most about uh, ETSU? I think, man, more than anything, the first thing was just the weather, bro. The scenery and the weather. It was just coming from Wisco, man. We Wisco, baby. It's cold all the time. It's snow the winter. You know what I mean? So when I went down there, bro, it was like it was still like February. Like when I left Illinois to go on my visit, it was cold when I left. When I got on the plane and left, it was cold. When I got there, it was just hot, sunny. Like it was everything was nice. It was so much green. Like because uh, East Tennessee is is very like. It's a lot of hills, it's a lot of green grass, it's a lot of trees, you know what I mean? It's very green, like greenery is crazy. So I'm just seeing all this sun and green in like a big campus down south. Like I was, even before anything basketball happened, I was like, yeah, I need to be in this, in, I need to have this energy around me, you know? And then um, when I did the visit, you know, just the guys that my, my the guys that did my visit, that, uh, that, um, that ran my visit or chaperoned my visit or whatever, uh, they were super cool, bro. They locked me in right away. Uh, even the coaches, I ended up not even, the, the coaches that I went on a visit with, they ended up not even being on staff uh, when I actually got into town, a couple of them. Uh, but they were great. You know, they just kind of showed me everything. They showed me the ropes. They kind of, you know, it was real welcoming. They took care of me. And at that point, bro, I'm still new to all of that. Like, for me, that, should, that stuff, I should say, was all brand new. Like, I wasn't, 
the guy that was going on. You know what I mean? So like I'm finally getting a chance to do all that stuff. Like my eyes is like, yo, this is this is lit. Like they sponsored by Nike. <laughs> like everything. The locker rooms had TVs in it, PlayStations in it. I'm like, bro. I'm like, I gotta come here. Like <laughs> I never I never played basketball with nothing like this. And uh that's kinda how it happened, man. They jumped on me early, you know, so they jumped on me early and and going out there to visit them early, I kinda just kinda fell in love with it and then even with other schools calling and, and kind of recruiting, I just kind of was already kind of had my heart set on, on kind of going down there. And no bigger school, like it wasn't like no Kentucky, you know, no big school kind of came knocking. So it wasn't like, you know, it was like between them or other main majors and stuff like that. So I was like, man, I, I really just felt that energy. I just decided to go, you know, pull the trigger and go down there. Yeah, same way with the, the Sauk Valley coach. You know, you kind of felt, you know, you it wasn't, that conviction you felt it was genuine recruitment and you know etsu you know they were genuine they recruited you they were you know loyal obviously it was early before you know your name started popping for real so you can kind of sense that that real love and obviously you went there for a reason and it, it worked out yeah most definitely man it was a blessing to get get down there man and get acclimated because still to this day man they just have supported me bro wholeheartedly the entire from the time i resigned and go there still to this day man they support me uh, I actually just did an interview the other day with, with one of my uh, one of our uh, news writers down there uh, that that worked with the team, close with the team, and just like having those conversations with him still to this day, you know, years removed, it's just like man, it was all love from the jump, you know, from day one to now, it was, it was all love. So it was a good decision for me back then, and still to this day, you know, I still can see like that was that was the right choice for me. And you know, you set the place on fire. You were. Atlantic Sun Conference Newcomer of the Year, and that was your third team in three years. Then the following year, so you're averaging 16 and a half that year. Your following year, your senior year, you're averaging 20 points, a little over 20 points. That's six points higher than anybody else on the team. Dude, yeah. it, it, wow. Hey, man, wow. roller coaster, bro. <laughs> I still on that roller coaster, but yeah, man, ETSU was good to me, bro. Uh, my junior year was like my crash course into it, you know what I mean, to the big leagues, if you want to say, and it's just playing with bigger guys, faster guys, and stuff like that. So I, I, at first, I kind of had to get caught up to speed with it. You know, I had a good offseason going into the league, but once the game starts, it's different. So I had to kind of get caught up to it. And once I caught my stride, I ended up playing a lot more minutes, man. I started playing close to more 20, 25 minutes a game as a junior. And, uh, really played a lot of late games. I've always been the guy that always, the coaches always put me in the late games. So I started playing a lot of end of the games, a lot of second half minutes. And uh, I just started getting more confident, man. So my junior year kind of propelled me into that senior year. Cause I finished my junior year. I probably averaged 13 on the year, but late in the season, you know, I probably was averaging close to probably 16, 17. You know, I was, I was getting up there a little bit higher, 15 maybe. Uh, and that propelled me, man. I had a big time off season. I stayed, I stayed in at, on campus that whole summer. I came home for like a couple of weeks. I seen the family. I got a couple of runs in. You know what I'm saying? At the break, and I took off. I went back to campus in like uh, early June. I was in campus June, all of June and July. I probably went back to campus like in the in the May. In uh, school, that's out beginning of May. You know what I'm saying? Graduation is beginning of May. So I, I was probably at home for a couple of weeks, and I just, I went right back down to school. I trained that whole summer, uh, mostly two times every, you know, mostly two a days. Uh, me and a couple of my teammates were down there, and that was the birth of it, man. I went to that senior year running. I think that first game, from that first game on, it was just the whole season, bro. I was locked in. And you, you love the grind, man, and that's what's beautiful about it. Like, you love getting after it. 
no other way, bro. Another choice. I never had another choice. That's the only way for me to get to where I had to go. You know what I mean? I had to put in that work, bro. And then, you know, that work paid off and it's blessed me. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a walking case study for it, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, the part the part that blows my mind is you end up going into the – it was the G League at the time or was it the D League at the time with the Memphis Grizzlies, the affiliate for them? It was the D League at the time. Yeah, and so – yeah, tell us about that experience because that's, I mean, the jump. Yeah, I went, man, that, that whole experience was crazy, bro. I ended up doing a D league out of, out of ETSU my senior year. Uh, but prior to that, man, there was a lot of NBA buzz surrounding me. You know what I mean? It was kind of hype because, you know, I, the majority of the senior year, I was in like top five in scoring in the nation. So people was kind of hyping it, you know what I mean? Because I, I was a small guy. I wasn't on any of the draft boards at the time especially going into the season. I don't think I ever end, actually landed on any of the draft boards. It was pretty much talk. And, uh, but I was really playing well. Like, I, I was probably, you know, I averaged 27 in the season, but in conference, I was probably averaging like 23 or 24 in conference against, like, that last 18 games, you know, the season before that non-conference. And uh, so it was a lot of hype around it, and I was confident in myself and my abilities, obviously, but, you know, I was kind of think, kind of getting sucked into it. I'm like, man, I think I was thinking I really had a chance. And man, when 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 we lost in the tournament, because we didn't get a chance, we probably would have won in the tournament. I had a chance to even make the dance, just make it deep in our conference tournament and play a little bit more meaningful games, kind of show it in a more meaningful stage. It probably would have helped me, but we lost. We got we had a first round bye and we lost in the quarters in our conference tournament. And our coach got fired that same week after we lost, right? So we lost. My roommate at the time was from Florida. I went to Florida with him and kind of like a little mini spring break, little little time away. And we got a text like a couple of days into that that spring break um, that they had let Bartow go, and that was kind of like the start of, of dominoes. You know, that was like snowball starting. Because after that, you know, I really didn't have much guidance. You know, nobody really to turn to because all the staff, as he went, the staff went. You know what I mean? We had an interim coach at the time. His hands was full, and he was kind of job searching because he knew at that point, you know. His head was almost, you know, he was just gonna be the next to go once they found that new coach to bring. Because most coaches bring their own staff. And um, so basically, that off, you know, finishing the season into that off season, it was it was a roller coaster, bro. Because I really didn't have nobody to turn to, and that was my first time going through that process. So I didn't really have no big bros or nobody like that that could tell me like, hey, this is what you kind of need to do. This is what you need to look be looking out for, and this is what this is how you need to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Moving forward. And I just was banking on these agents that I signed at the time, uh, which they had guys, they had NBA guys. They was repping like Harrison Barnes at the time. They was repping. Uh, they had a handful of NBA dudes, and uh, I was like, you know, I didn't really have much help in the agents making decisions, you know, decision-making for my agents. So I kind of went with them, you know, I was like, you know, they sounded the best at the time. It was, you know, telling me, saying the right things you could say. So I signed with those guys, uh, and they just really didn't get much done for me that summer. I didn't have no, I didn't go to Chicago for the, for the combine. They didn't make that happen. I didn't even go to Portsmouth, and that's pretty much a senior's camp. And I was probably one of the better seniors in the country that year, I would I would think. Didn't go there. And from there, when those two kind of went, I knew it was going to start getting ugly. You know what I mean? Myself, just personally. And I was just working out. You know, that's the only thing I've ever known anyway. So I was just in the gym trying to let, you know, whatever was going to fall, how, you know, whatever piece was going to fall, I was going to let it fall how they fall. And everything kind of went left. The D-League came up. Uh... And, you know, the crazy thing was my agents didn't even get me that D-League, the D-League, the gig, you know what I mean? Because they were banking on me getting drafted. I didn't even get drafted into the D-League, you know what I mean? It's like I, the draft went and came, 
and my name didn't go in the draft. My teammate's name went like number two overall, like number four overall, like something like that. So, you know, I was happy for him. I'm thinking like, you know, my name is going to get called eventually. You know, if Sean went number four, I'm like, bro, I got to get caught at some time. And uh, at that point, Europe is like, everybody didn't went over to Europe. That's like September, October time when they do the D-League draft. And uh, so the draft went, came and went. I didn't get drafted. And then I had got a call from, from one of my guys at the time. Uh, he was uh, he was the owner of a team out in Canada, uh, Mr. Levinston. And he had gave me a call. We had talked on the phone. And he was like, you know, wondering what was going on with me. Because everything, he obviously was, just, you know, paying attention to what was happening in that summer because I had such a good season. And he actually wanted me to come out to Canada and play for his team. Obviously, he kind of knew that wasn't the right move for me, moving, trying to go forward and shoot up. But, you know, he just kind of had gave some advice, and he kind of plugged me into that D-League workout. He gave some calls because Memphis had been, had been on Memphis's radar, but they just had never really, you know, I didn't go to the camp. I didn't, you know, they just really never pulled any triggers or nothing. And like I said, my agents at the time, I personally don't think they got it done. You know what I mean? I don't know if they had, didn't have the pool to connect or whatever, but I don't think they got it done. I think, you know, the right people had a player like me at that point in time in his career, they would have pulled, they would have made the strings present opportunities for me as a player. And uh, uh, so, you know, Mr. Levinson came through. He sent, he had got me out, got in touch with, with Memphis and Memphis had ended up flying me out to their camp. I got there a little late. I got there like a day or two late and uh, camp had started like the day before, right after the draft or whatever. And I got to the camp, man, it was like 18 guys at the camp. 18 to 20 guys in the camp. In the G League, you know, in the D League at the time, they only really keep like 10 or 12 guys. So when I got to the camp, they was kind of bringing back guys, let alone finalizing, you know what I mean? Like trying to add guys or whatever the case. Uh, they had brought back, um, they had dropped, at the time they had brought back my guy Drew. You know, he was he had got drafted by Memphis Harrison uh, from Kentucky. Um, they had brought back Perry Jones from OKC at the time. He was He had just got into the camp. It was about like three or four like NBA dudes, like either draft picks or dudes that was like on rosters already that you was like, yo, these dudes is going to be on the team for sure. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then it was just like the spots was going undone. I was out there for like three or four days and I actually played really well. You know, I shot, I shot the shit out of the ball while I was out there. And then uh, it was just like, for me, it was just political. It was just a matter of like, it was just kind of like a courtesy. In my opinion, I looked at it as like, that was just like a courtesy call. You know what I mean? Because they brought me out there. They let me do my thing. They, they hit me with the gear and stuff. Just kind of send me on my way. Like, you know what I mean? All right, thank you. You know what I mean? At that point, I was just like sitting there looking and looking around, like, okay, so what now? Like, am I just not playing? You know what I mean? Like, what's gonna happen next? End up firing my agents, and that was kind of the start of my pro career. Okay. For real. Did you still have to give them a cut even though they didn't get you that deal with Memphis? Nah, I didn't have to give them nothing, bro. I didn't get paid anything. So they had nothing, they had nothing to take cut out of. Good. They didn't deserve shit. So good. Good. (laughs) Wasn't a piece of the pie for them to take, bro. Well, then, after that, you go to Balancesto, right? Am I saying that? that? Wednesday in Spain. Uh, that was my first gig under those new agents that I ended up signing. And that went well. You then go to Slovakia. You then go to Iceland. You then go to Lithuania. And, and it, Lithuania is when you just destroy. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, 50-point game, averaging 26.3. Why don't you tell the story of all these things? Because that's better than me highlighting it all. The, those stops along the way? Yeah. So, like I was saying, that was kind of the start of my pro career when I fired those agents. So I signed some Spanish agents that, you know, that, that somebody referred me to as well. So I signed these agents, and they had a lot of guys, man. They kind of, in a sense, in my opinion, they kind of was running, like, farmhouses. Because they, they had a lot of players they were at, a lot of European players they were at. 
And they had a lot of guys at the high level, too, at the highest level. They had ACB guys, you know, that's, that's Spain's top league. They had guys in the other up top leagues around Europe. So I'm like, okay, these guys got people in the top places. Like, you know, they, they've done it. They got guys with, with contracts, with deals. So they brought me out there to Spain, uh, Lev Gold, the second league in Spain under ACB. My first year on a trial. It was right at the D League, everything, you know what I'm saying? They brought me out there on a trial. It was supposed to be like a seven-day trial or something like that. So I get out there to Spain, you know, they take care of me, put me up, you know, we start getting in the gym. And uh, when I got out there, I had my first day was just really good. I had a really good first day. Uh, I was excited to hoop, you know what I mean, bottomed it up. So I just went out there, I killed it that first day. The next couple of days was slow and I picked it back up and I just had it really, finished off the week really strong, you know what I mean, that seven days. So that seven days came and went, bro. They didn't make any decisions. I didn't go anywhere. They just kind of had me on the pause button. I ended up being in Spain for about three weeks or four weeks before I left Spain. And I was supposed to be out there for seven days. Uh, and the whole time I was out there, you know, I was obviously I was having money problems. And, uh, you know, they were having meetings with the guys, like team meetings and player meetings that was holding them. And just kind of like telling guys to be patient, you know, just trying to tell them what was going on, keep guys updated. So the whole time I'm sitting in on, on these meetings and basically like dudes ain't been paid in like two months. You know what I mean? Coach ain't been paid. Trainers ain't been paid. You know what I'm saying? Players ain't been paid. And I'm like, ain't no, ain't no money being tossed around at all. And I'm out, and I just got flown in, you know what I mean, within a matter of a couple of weeks ago. So the scene of it was really like, you know, what's happening? Like, y'all recruiting players? Like, we ain't even getting paid. I guess the money hadn't come back from the city or something like that. So, so dudes hadn't been paid. So my agents at the time, it was like, well, Jay, you know, I, this is basically, because nobody really said anything to me. They didn't ever verbally said it. I knew what was going on. I'm, I'm not an idiot. I know people ain't been paid. I'm sitting here on these meetings, team meetings, but. Nobody actually told me, like, yeah, we don't have the money blah, 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 until, like, two or three weeks in. You know what I mean? So when they finally confessed to it, I guess you could say, and it was like, yeah, teams have money problems, blah, 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 blah. they really like you, they want to keep you, but they don't know what, they don't know what the deal is going to be with the money. And it was like, well, we got this deal on the table in Slovakia. Uh, so at that time, you know, my first year, I kind of really had much going on. Like, man, I hadn't made no money, like, since school ended and whenever, you know, since I stopped getting a Pell Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, bro, I gotta, I gotta figure out, you know, a way to make some ends. So I'm like, bro, I just took the deal. So Lockie was gonna pay me well to come out there. So they paid me a little bit of bread to go out there and finish that season. So I just took it, you know what I mean? Not really knowing the ins and outs of the situation. I didn't know the coach name. I didn't have no conversations with nobody. I just signed, you know, signed the deal, went out. So that's a part of me learning early on what it took, you know what I mean? With the ins and outs of the game, business side at least. Yeah. Uh, but I just signed that deal. I went out there, bro. Didn't know what I was getting myself into. Took that little money in this, and I ended up really just not playing in Slovakia. You know, long story short, I just I went out there. I played that first game in Slovakia. I probably played like 16, 17 minutes. I probably had like 15 in my first game, like first intro to the fans. You know what I mean? So the fans really took to me out that first game. And then I just they ended up moving their point guard. The, the starting point guard at the time they sent one for me to come in. So they let go of their mans, they brought me in, and they had an American point guard that was already on the roster, and he was coming off the bench. So they moved him into the starting point guard. He knew the offense and the system, and he just took off, bro. You know what I mean? You got to give a man credit. You know, credit was credit to do. He played. He had like 30 in the first game he played. Then he had like 20-something, like high 20. So he just really was killing in his final, you know, as he was supposed to, and his, as his opportunity arose. And uh, I just kind of just got left into the waste. I was the youngest. I was a rookie. I was the youngest on the team. And they just kind of just, we had like eight imports. We had like five Serbian guys and, you know, other European dudes. And like four Americans. We even brought in another American guard after I had got there. 
And I ended up just being an odd man out, bro. I ended up just sitting. I didn't even, I didn't even suit up in the playoffs. I just was going to the games. Like, I was just in, in street clothes wearing, wearing a playoff T-shirt. Like, I didn't even get to play. Season finished up. You know, I was miserable, you know, knowing I wasn't able to play. Like, I was just frustrated over there. And then that was, in, you know, in a nutshell, my senior se- or my rookie season as a pro. Came back. Uh, that's when Iceland came along. I ended up going to Iceland the following season. I played about five games in Iceland. And about four or five games in, the coach tells me, like, you know, they want to go in a different direction and bring me inside. I got cut in Iceland. I got sent home from Iceland. It was so beautiful out there, first, too. So yeah, my first sad. season I have, I played, like, five or six. I played, like, seven games, bro, eight games or something like that. Jeez. Yeah, crazy. It, it, but, I mean, like I said, it's beautiful out there. Now, Iceland? Like, it's supposed to be like one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Iceland definitely was beautiful, bro. Very scenery, very scenic. Uh, I should say, um, I actually saw the Northern Lights while I was out there. That was pretty cool. I saw the Northern Lights. That was, that was dope. Um, but it wasn't for me. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> Iceland, Iceland wasn't for me. Like it was cool, you know what I mean, for what it was. But for me, it wasn't for me. Like I would vacate, maybe just go to the Blue Lagoon, check out Reykjavik for a little bit, and, and that'd be it. It really ain't for me. It wasn't. But it, it was it was a blessing in disguise that didn't work out because Lithuania is where you blew up. Yeah. How yeah. special was that 50-point game? 50-point game was special, bro. The 50-point game came weird, though. It was plenty of other games where I was on pace. Like, when I was on pace and I really should have got 50 versus the game I actually got 50. Because I had 40 in a lot of games. I had 40 probably at least four or five separate times on the season. And I had 50 that one time. In that game when I had 50, I probably only had, like, maybe 16 of the 50 at halftime. Like, something low like that. Like, I had probably, like, 30-plus points in the second half in overtimes. 30 to 40 points, like, in the second half. I probably had, like, 12 or 14 at halftime. And just – and then the second half, we went in overtime. We went into two overtimes. So, in that second half and those overtimes, I had about 40 points. <laughs> about 30-something to 40 points. Yeah. And majority of that came in the fourth and the overtimes because in the third quarter – I did not get that many looks up, and I, and I don't think I made a couple of the looks I did get in the third. And in the fourth and, the, and overtime, I just kind of exploded. I had about 30 in the fourth and overtimes. Was that the first time you scored 50 in a game? Professionally, yeah. Professionally? Professionally, but yeah, in, in other leagues and in, in summer leagues and stuff like that. I, I think I just scored over 60 before. I didn't have 50 before, for sure. <laughs> but in professional, like in a game situation, clocks, ref, professional status, yeah, that's the first time I had 50. That's crazy. And, you, I mean, that, that season you averaged 26.3 points a game. That's what really catapulted you to Gillette basketball, right? Or no. basket. So, yeah, most definitely. They, they really let the dog off the leash and let the win in. I was able to, like, really show myself. I And through all that time where I really wasn't getting able, being able to play, I was crafting. Like, I was really working on my game through that time. So I was a much, much better player when I went to Lithuania than versus, like you might say, when I was in college. I feel like – the difference between when I was in college, I was a kid that really never had nothing that was just trying to get something. You know what I mean? I played with a with a chip on my shoulder with like a, a ferociousness and a rage, but I wasn't controlled. Like, and when I was in college, I wasn't I didn't see the floor the way I seen the floor in Lithuania. You know what I mean? I was way more blinded. I was way more like I just need to put the ball. I felt like at the end of the sense in college, like my way to success was putting the ball in the basket. You know what I'm saying? Even though it was my gift. I was just like, yo, I got to score the ball. You know what I mean? I wasn't yep. so much like I need to win basketball games and, and play a game the right way. You know what I mean? Like I was like, 
we're going to win by me scoring because I'm scoring. I'm pretty much better than people. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how yeah. I was thinking. So when I went by that, all going through all that, you know, that skirmish between those first two years, it humbled me a lot. You know what I mean? And just working on my craft and watching a lot of that, I really became a student of the game. I was already a student of the game, but I was more of a fan of the game. And I think in that time, I became more of a student of the game because I really started watching, like, certain guys. I started watching old stuff, watching myself, critiquing myself. And I started really honing in on, like, what I was good at, what I needed to work on. I just started putting in work at different things. And by the time Lithuania came and went, when I was able to play out there, I was, they was just letting the dog off the leash. I was just ready to kill. And, you know, the competition was, in a sense, more younger guys because uh, – that was like their development league. They had pro, they had guys that had been playing at high level still playing in that league. Don't get me wrong. But it was more so like their Nike kids, you know, most of their kids that they had like on Nike contracts, Adidas contracts. I was young playing in the, in the Lithuanian national team stuff, like stuff like that. So, you know, me at that point, you know, versus a lot of those guys, like I was just, they was letting the dog, I was just ready to kill. That's why, you know, that season ended up going away it went, for sure, because that's just the mindset I was in going into it. I was playing against them as if I was playing against NBA guys. Like every night, you know, every time I had a very serious demeanor about me when I went out there and going through all that hardship because the season before that, even coming from Spain, that was a story in itself. Just going through all that into that moment, they definitely let the dog off the leash. Definitely seeing the highlight tape, you know, I always keep tabs on my guys, you know, although, you know, we might not always be in communication, you know, every day or something like that. But when I see, film, highlight tape, highlights. I'm always tuning in and watching it. It's crazy to see how much you've perfected your craft just from us, you know, the meeting point that I've met you, you know, in freshman year of high school, just seeing you grow every single year in different parts of your game and become more efficient. And I mean, that's, that's a huge honor, bro. It's, it's, yeah, I appreciate it's, that, bro. Great to see y'all, you know, prospering, especially at what you want to do. Most definitely. I appreciate that, but yeah, I, that's, it's been a it's been a process to get there, but a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in it. You know what I mean? So, and it came a long way. I appreciate that. You know, it's dope to hear that too, because oh, yeah. I wasn't that. You know, I'd be the first person to tell somebody I was not that. <laughs> you know, I remember when we was playing for Wayne. Like even when I was playing for Wayne, we were playing for the Warriors. Like, I, my mind wanted to tell me I was like that, but I I wasn't that yet. You know what I mean? I still have a lot of growing to do, and just and each opportunity having a moment to grow in different aspects of the ways. And even the hardship, you got to take them for what they are, you know what I mean? It's just they shape me, you know what I mean? It kept me going, kept that fire lit in me, you know, uh, without me settling or, or, you know, getting too, you know, complacent. Stuck on myself, you know, thinking I had already made it or did something that I – because I really, at every step of the way, you know, genuinely speaking, I did make it, you know what I mean? Just going to school and getting an education. But where we come from, bro, that was a, that's a win in itself, you know what I mean? But, you know, outside of that, keep reaching these next heights and new heights. Like, that's just, that's all hard work, bro. Putting in the time, just, you know. It's dope to hear that, though, for sure, because of that. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I want to slide into a little bit of Cholet Basket. You know, you you went over there and got Sixth Man of the Year Award. Congratulations on that. And how was the competition compared to what you've seen in previous overseas leagues? Obviously, it's a higher step. It's a top league, you know. A very competitive level. I think uh, I think that was probably the biggest difference, just the competition level. Because you know, when you start going over to France versus the other places I played, pretty much everybody in that league has had an NBA affiliation. At some point, was going to go to the NBA. You know what I mean? Or 
played summer league or something like that, or they young guys that's on the on the on the watch, you know what I mean, on their radar. Like my two guard on my team is expected to get picked up. You know, what I mean he's 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 projected a, a second round pick. The young guy that played at Shalabi the year before me, he's a lottery pick. He's you know he predicted the lottery pick is young kid. So that just in a nutshell, that's just Shalabi's farmhouse system. You know what I mean? So the league wide is pretty much you know a league full of dudes that had a chance either play games, you know, play season, you know, play seasons in the NBA. Was drafted previously. A lot of French dudes that got drafted come back home and play, you know kind of finish their careers. So overall, the whole talent level, you know, it was a much you know, it's the big time step up in talent level, just overall. And for me, that bring the best out of me because I like to play against the best. You know, me personally, like, it ain't really fun unless you're playing against people that's bringing the best out of you, you know what I mean, making you compete. And, you know, even in my situation with LA, like, you know, dealing with some of the stuff I had to deal with there, just having that competition, even like the competition we had in our own team, like our own practice, that just, that just hold the whole time and brought the best out of me, man. Made me raise my game, raise my level. I was excited to raise my level and show that my level was already there. You know what I mean? But it just it brought it brought the best out of me, man. Every time I played, every time I got a chance to play, I knew my back was up against the wall. I knew I had to show myself because I knew I was coming from a place that nobody ever really came from before. Yeah. I've heard it probably hundreds of times at this point that man, we've never seen nobody make that type of a jump or you know, that jump that you made is unheard of, unprecedented. You know what I mean? So you hear that all the time. It's like, damn, you know what I mean? Okay, but you know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, oh, I gotta step on my side of the garden. Like I gotta, I gotta make, you know, make sure I belong, make sure I fit. Not only belong, but I don't even think like that. I feel like not only just belong, but I want to show that y'all, I'm one of the better players that y'all have to offer in this league as well. You know what I mean? So that's just how I'm wired. So that whole French, the whole Soleil situation in itself was, was definitely new. And it was a nice challenge to have, you know, last season for me. Definitely. Um, what's some advice that you want to offer to some kids that want an opportunity to play at that next level, whether it be collegiate basketball, professional basketball? What are what are some stepping stones that you can give to them? I just, man, to all the youngins out there, man, I say this. If you got a dream, if you dream about something, if you got a goals in life, just chase them, bro. Chase those goals, chase those dreams and ambitions until you really can't chase them anymore. And along the way, uh, you just got to be mindful that it's going to take hard work to get to it. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to run into walls. You're going to run into bumps. You're going to run into, you know, deterrence. But if you locked in, if you really locked in mentally to it, if you really feel like you can obtain the goals that you're setting out for yourself, you know, my advice to the young is just chase those dreams, bro. Don't, don't, don't let them slip through your hands, you know, because you're going to have a lot of life left to live to do whatever it is that you're going to do anyways if you don't attain those, those dreams and those goals. So just chase them. Have it in mind that it's going to take work work ethic. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take discipline. That's one of the biggest things that I think a lot of people fall short with. They don't have the discipline, you know. You know, they get opportunities or they get to situations where if it took, if they had just a little bit more discipline, they get over that hump. But without having a little bit of extra discipline or, you know, getting that C in that class that you got a D in, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, you know, because nobody really want to go to school, but that's part of it, you know what I mean? If you don't get the grades, you don't really get to play. So, my advice is just stick to the court, you know, stick to that plan A. You know, if you got a dream, chase that dream and be knowledgeable, be aware of the fact that what it's going to take to get there. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of grit. And if you're ready for that, if, you got, if you're up for that challenge, the sky's the limit, for real. That's the best advice I think we've had on every episode, period. 
I, I, I think that's got to be reiterated every time we we post a clip of the show, man, because that was that was unreal advice. Nah, for sure, that's straight from the heart too. You know, so you said you started becoming a fan of the or not a fan, but studying the game. You know, watching film on NBA players. Is there a particular NBA player that you think your game is similar to, past or present player? I don't know, man. I know when I really started watching a lot of games, when I started transforming myself, I watched a lot of Steph Curry. Steph Curry was one of the guys that I watched a lot of, just how he was able to find his space on the floor, uh, find his spots. Like, he was able to really get to the spots. He stretched the defense so much being able to shoot. Like, I've always been able to be able to shoot, but I really never shot from range like that. You know what I mean? And just his, how dangerous he was from the perimeter opened up the whole floor. He was able to get wherever he wanted, however he wanted. He was still able to get to the rack and finish and just able to, as an undersized guard, because, you know, he was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but he's frail. Uh, he just, man, I watched a lot of Steph Curry, bro. And then mentality-wise, just Kobe and Russ. Like, my mentality, you know, I, I really pay attention to how Kobe was when Kobe played, you know, uh, rest up the Kobe. And then Russ, you know, that tenacity that Russ had, like, I'm a quiet, tenacious player. You know what I mean? Like, I, I talk I talk my talk when I play, but I'm not no trash. I'm not, per se, a trash talker. You're going to hear me when I'm playing well. You know what I mean? You're going to feel me, but I'm not your mama's this, you know, and this is more of a tenacious, it's more of a mentality. And I feel like that my mentality came from picking, picking you know, the brains from them guys, you know, Russ's, the Kobe's, just how they was wired, like, outside of work ethic, just when they came on the court, like, it was, like, it's you or me, bro. It's either I'm getting pat, you know, either either, either I'm going to kill you or you're going to have to kill me because I'm not going to look, you know, I'm not going to go out sad. I'm, I'm out here to kill you. And that's really the way the basketball world is. Like, you know, cut and dry, like, it's a dog-eat-dog world, bro. If you don't step up to play one given night, like, somebody's going to take your job. Somebody's going to take the money that was offered to you. Somebody's going to take the opportunity that was offered to you, you know, scholarship-wise, whatever the case. And if you're not ready for that, if you're not prepared for that, you're going to lose out. You're going to lose out much more than you're going to. Yeah. You, sure. you, do you have a top five NBA players that are alive? Dead or alive, top five? My top five. I just told somebody this other day, and I was confident with what I picked. But my top five, MJ. Brian, Cole. Now, personal top five, this is when this is when the difference. I'm going AI. My personal top five, AI is in my top five. And I'm rounding it out with KD. But all time, AI swaps out the chat. Okay. But I personally, can't, I can't be mad AI, about any of those. I'm AI, I'm AI head, bro. I grew up on AI. So AI in my AI in my top five. And then did you had did you catch the last dance? I did. Yeah, I caught the first couple episodes of France and I watched the rest of it when I got back. Live. Man, actually, it was hard, bro. They did a good job, man. People critiqued it and tried to do it, but I think, man, you gotta just you gotta just embrace it for what it is, bro. That's Jordan, bro. <laughs> However you want to spill it, like that's Jordan, bro. It is solidified that Jordan was the GOAT. It did, bro. Like, it really, it really truly, like, if somebody else has a, another go argument, it's like, it's hard for you to really take it seriously. It's like, well, we all watched it, bro. It don't matter how you want to cut it and dry. Like, if you're a fan of the game, you play the game, you just got to pay homage to the fact that that man was really one of the best to ever do it, if not the best, you know, with Kobe and Brown included. He the GOAT. Like, he the greatest to do to play the game that you love to play. Like, 
He did it. He did it all in the in, in the high, at the highest level. The the way I see it is is a guy like Kobe Bryant, a guy like LeBron James, who who are up there, right? They're right up there. But everybody wants to argue them over MJ. I would just like to say those guys are going to tell you that MJ was better than them. Exactly. How are you going to argue that that the guys that you're saying are better? Well, they'll tell you, tell you that it's better than that, that, that ends it for me. How are you going to argue anything else? Either way. Jordan Goldie, man. Watching the last dance and kind of getting that back that backstage glimpse of everything and how it all played out, bro. He's just different, bro. He's wired different. Um, he had different God-given abilities, like his, his natural athleticism and stuff that he could already do. Besides being able to, you know, create, put skill behind it, he just was ahead of people. I felt like when I was watching him playing against the Celtics, it looked like he was just running around him. Like, he was just more fast, he was more athletic. Like, and at that time, bro, he was ahead of He was ahead of the curve, bro. He was definitely ahead of the curve. He was before his time. Like, he was just running circles around Bird and, and Perry. You know what I mean? And, and they was the best of the best that year, you know, in them, in them couple of years. So, it's like, man, Jordan was destined for it early. And his, if he would have played in today's basketball, he'd probably score 60 points a game. I mean, his his game is built for I think, this. I, I think he would because they wouldn't be able to foul him. They wouldn't be able to touch him like they did. You know, he would have to work on his outside shot a little bit more, but I think that's Jordan we were talking about. I think if it was necessary <laughs> improvement, I think he would have took the time to make that improvement. Same way dudes in the league nowadays make those improvements. You know what I mean? So I think I think he would have thrived now. He would have thrived. He did thrive then. He would thrive now. He would thrive whenever, bro, at his prime, for sure. But I take Kobe against him, though. Don't get me wrong. I think Kobe, I think Kobe giving Jordan everything he's looking for. <laughs> for sure. But Jordan's to the goat. What do you say, Q? That would be a great matchup in both of their prime. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I think Kobe gives Jordan everything that he is looking for on a basketball court. That would be you know what I mean? But Jordan go. The longest one-on-one game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, Jalen, another, another another matchup that I like, bro, is uh, is 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 Cove and T Mac. I think that's an underrated matchup back in the day. Cove and T Mac matchup that was fire, bro. T-Mac. I was too, so Cove. That's why I couldn't be really ride with Cove until I got older because he was killing everybody that I like, killing AI, who being AI and being T Mac. I was AI and T Mac guy. If T-Mac didn't get hurt, though, T-Mac would be in the same discussion as all those guys. Anyway, he's probably one of the craziest scorers. He was the best scorer probably at the time. Yeah, he was KD before KD. Oh, KD man. just he ended up being crazier than KD. He was, he was KD. He was the scoring, prolific scorer that KD is before KD was around, type, in my opinion. I just he feel just like he's oh, way better shooter, but T-Mac is way, way more athletic. Could yeah. do, they, the games are just different, I felt like. For sure. But they got a lot of similarities in the way that they scored the ball, though, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I think that that their go-tos are the same. You know, that that sleep, that Hezo sleep dribble that T-Mac always used. I think KD took that right out, of his, right out of his playbook. You know what I mean? Took that right out of his back. And obviously, KD's a different type of talent. KD's seven foot, basically, with a, with a piece and, and a handle. You know what I mean? But... I think they just the way they scored, the way they scored against the rest of the league, like both of them, like they both get like thirty a game. You know what I mean during their prime, during their stretches. Uh, that to me, that just they, he was just he was doing what KD is doing now before KD was in the league. And I, the biggest thing for me that I always hate about KD, which I don't hate him, I like KD, I respect KD, I think he's an unbelievable player. 
but I can't believe that man went and joined the Warriors. Like that's, that's from OKC chain at the time. That was tough, but that broke me down. That was hey Q. That was that's right when we was going to battle against the Spurs, bro. Right after we finally got over that that hump fighting against the Spurs, bro, we getting up finally getting to the point where we was almost about to make you know like big meaningful runs into a championship, like. And say we lost the Warriors, and he went over and joined the Warriors. That was it. <laughs> that was, that was it. Just moved in. it. I moved in okay, anyway since I was a Russ fan still, but. I just say, wait, I'm just going to, if I'm going to be a fan of anybody at this point, where they going out, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to ride with the bus on time. Yeah, I lost it when he did that. Uh, I felt the same way as I did about LeBron when he left uh, you know, Cleveland. I was like, oh, I was, I was kind of on the LeBron wagon. Once he did that, I'm like, I can't rock with him. Yeah, yeah I feel like he's isn't even bad. He's isn't as bad, though, as KD's. I think Brian justifies his on the fact that they all went at the same time. Yeah. And Miami wasn't like a contender. You know what I mean? Versus when KD went, they was already there and they were a contender. And you lost to him. Brian never lost to Miami, you know, in the conference finals. So that's a different dynamic. But It'd be like LeBron going to the same Celtics. Way when, when Brian left, they felt the same way that they did when KD left. But it would have been like LeBron going to the Celtics. That's literally what it would have been like. <laughs> Basically. He didn't do that, so you got to say, okay, you know, it's a little bit. KD's is a little worse for sure. KD's is way worse. KD's is is way worse. (laughs) Well, Jalen, we really appreciate you coming on the show, man. We'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back, and thank you so much for your time, man. Yes, sir. Most definitely, man. I appreciate y'all for having me on, bro. Much love. Y'all keep going, bro. Sky's the limit, man. Keep it up. We're trying. We're trying. I see it. I see it. It ain't going to notice.